what is off the groove? It means you've blown the line or you're pushing the limits a little bit too far or just maybe you might be looking for a faster way around the racetrack. Off the Groove with Scotty Dubler. February 1st, 2020, episode number 117. Saturday. <laughs> is that the day that comes after Friday? Yes. I feel like it's been so long since we talked, man. How you been? I'm good. Just uh, had had a good night of arena cross last night. Going to have some more tonight. And uh, I'm excited to be in Denver. Uh, my mom's entire side of the family lives out here in Denver. So hopefully a few of them are going to come to the races tonight. And then I'm going to go hang out with them on uh, Sunday and uh, watch Super Bowl with them. I love it, dude. That's awesome. I love Denver. I was out there uh, for the outdoor motocross stuff last year. Um, and it's badass. I love the city. Uh, so let's talk about how many days until Daytona. Cause yesterday it was 43. So today's what? 42. The next day, 42. And okay. there's been just a few people that had 42 because Brian Smith had that number forever. Uh, before him was Brian Shirley, a guy I raced with quite a bit. And then before that was Steve Moorhead. And I think Moorhead had it, you know, for like 20 years, something like that. So pretty much three fast guys, you know, Brian, Brian Smith, Brian Shirley and Steve Moorhead held that number pretty much since numbers been around i guess i think brian should go back to the 42 i love the 42 do riders ever do that if, you, if you're a champion with a single digit do they ever go oh sammy did right well and that's a that's a weird subject that that's a long story about getting into but yeah. the one that comes to mind is henry wallace we had on just a little while ago he won a singles championship so technically he can run a single digit number but he didn't like any of the ones that were available, so he, he kept with the 17, and that's kind of his trademark. You know, he's been 17, and that's why I was kind of surprised when Brian went back. Obviously, you want to run the number one plate, right. but after that, he did go to number four, which is a Michigan number. Bart Markell had that number. Uh, Chris Carr had it, stuff like that. But uh, So it's a famous number as well, but I you know, people know him as 42. All right, bro, let's get into it. This is part two of a two-part series uh we're interviewing four badass women who cover the sport of flat track we talked to two we talked to Kristen beat and we talked to joy burgess with thunder press and uh we got two more for you today so how did you pick these four? Oh man don't i don't know it was tough dude because <laughs> like i said there was there was a lot that have contributed to the sport in the past um but they're not really close to the sport right now uh there are some that you know even like a red um you know jesse janish's uh girl like they're not really going to be involved in flat track from what i'm seeing in in 2020 so i mean I, but she's supported and created content for for flat track as well um and hopefully one time or one day in the future we'll get to talk to her um but you know there's there are a lot of people it's it basically if you're in the sport covering the sport in any way and you're a female that's kind of how i chose it there are some other people there are some other females and and they're badasses too that do work for aft but i know they're super busy getting up to you know leading up to the season uh and hopefully one day we can have them on eventually you know giselle comes to mind even ashley frias uh does a bunch of stuff for them uh and she's a badass as well if you didn't get chosen for these four interviews we still love you. We love all the women, all the men, everybody that contributes anything to Flat Track. Um, but these four are the ones we went with for this episode. So who are we talking to first? First up, we've got Mrs. JJ5. Mrs. JJ5, I love it. Yeah. I mean, we talked to, we've talked to Jake. He's actually started his own podcast here lately. So a lot of people- I don't know what you're talking about. You know what you're talking about. Um, and a lot of people have heard um, from him lately, uh, but nobody's really heard from uh, from Jody, the wife uh, and the mother of the child. So, and she's a badass photographer who's covered the sport for years. Uh, so I'd love to hear her story. And we also use a lot of her pictures for our cover pictures of the so podcast. Many of her and pictures, so, yeah. Yeah. And she, she has some of the best shots 
shots because I don't know how she does it, but she gets some great shots while these guys aren't racing, while their helmets are off and they're in their ailment. The picture tells a story. It's pretty cool. Absolutely. Well, maybe we'll talk to her and see a little thought behind that process. Uh, you want to give her a shout? Absolutely. Hello? Is this Mrs. JJ5? This is she. How are you doing, Jody? Pretty good. Pretty good. Yeah, I haven't seen you since we got off the boat out there in New Jersey. Did you have a good holiday season and happy new year? Yeah, it all went really, really fast. I feel like yeah. when you have a kid, it goes even faster. Yeah. Um, but yeah, it like flew by. Like, I can't believe it's already almost February. Did, did Emily have a good Christmas? Oh, yeah. She made out like a bandit. <laughs> well, what did you get? I mean, did, did Jake take care of you, too? Yeah, he always does really good with gifts. He's well, top notch. Always been that's, good at that. That's, that's good. You should you should keep him around, I guess. Yeah, I, I guess so. We'll see. We'll see. <laughs> so we're having we're having a podcast about the badass women of flat track. So I want to dive deeper in and and let people know who you are. So before we get into that, though, your brother races, which is Johnny Lewis JL10, and your sister is Jen Lewis, and she dates Chad Coase, and of course. You are married to Jake Johnson, so it's it's a Pennsylvania with a little California loving in there too, right? Well, a sprinkle of like New Jersey and Canadian as well. So oh, yeah, we Canadian, are PAB, John- but yeah, that's so crazy. I mean, uh, you know, a lot of people don't realize who all is related to whomever because you know names do change. But uh, you know, in the flat track family, we're all family, right? Yes. Yep. And we're even more so when. Uh, we used to go to the, uh, not municipal stadium, but like the new old Daytona short track. Those were right. real fun when like Jake and John and Chad would all line up together in the same race. And you're like, oh, okay, here we go. <laughs> well, well, then who do you, who do you cheer for when they all race at the same time? I mean, that, that's got to be hard to do. It is hard, but at the end of the night, I'm going home with Jake. So my main thing is I just want everybody to be safe. So right. that is pretty much the main concern but yeah i used to get that question a lot but it's um at the end of the day i'm going home with jake so (laughs) i got you let's go way back so how did you first you know get into going to the motorcycle races uh well with john racing it was kind of a family thing we'd all go uh my mom and my sister and um just kind of we wanted to all be together, so we would go to the races and support John and then turns into meeting friends and then you're a teenager and you scope out all the boys and <laughs> Right, right. So did you ever race yourself? No, I did not. I actually grew up riding horses. So the same riding ring that John would spin circles in on his dirt bike, I would ride my horse. Did I you, can ride, you... like I know how to, but I just kind of choose to be on the sidelines right on so you can barrel race i mean you can call that that is racing i mean have you tried barrel racing at all no i haven't but when you think back and you're like oh i wish i would have tried this i definitely that's definitely the top of my list that i kind of wish i would have tried but now i don't know if i would (laughs) (laughs) jen rides horses with you too right does your whole family are the is the whole family into horses or just you two girls Um, so technically I haven't ridden a horse in, oh, wow. Like I'd say probably at least six years, if I'm being honest. Uh, but she actually worked for a place 
that she is with horses literally every day. So she works with them, but then she comes home and her and my mom take care of the horses at my parents' house. So John never really was a fan of it. He would ride every once in a while, but he liked the motor instead of the horse. So, Right on. When when you, you said you're going to the races with, with Johnny, you, you call him John, but that's Johnny Lewis. Uh, is that uh, kind of along the way? Is that when you met Jake? Or do you remember meeting Jake Johnson? Um, so Jake and Jared would actually, like this was like later on, like obviously I'd see him at the races, but then as like John got older and Jared Meese lived like right up the street. So him and John, well, he kind of grew up with us. Him and John would ride at our house because we had the little ring. Um, I call it a riding ring, but it's just a little short track, I guess, like super, super short track. And okay. um, Jared would come and ride. And then, like, sometimes during the summer, like, groups of people would come. Like, Don Mullen, um, mm-hmm. he would come and ride. And then Georgie Price would come, but he'd bring Jake. So that kind of is where I, like, would see him at the track, but then – a couple of times Georgie brought him up here. I'm like, oh, who's that? So we kind of always joke and say that Georgie is the reason that we're together and obviously thank him for that. <laughs> right, right. So so was it love at first sight or did you have to convince him? Um, well, we both were painfully quiet, like painfully quiet. We rode to Ohio. It was Jake, his dad, my dad, my brother, and myself. We drove from Pennsylvania to Ohio. So at least eight or nine hours, I would say. Mm-hmm. Um, there and back and him and I probably said two sentences to each other. I don't even know how it started, but the beautiful AIM, the instant messenger thing, uh, we wow. changed our like screen names, I guess it's mm. called. I can't even remember. It's been so right. long ago. <laughs> um, <laughs> but we had that and we would talk back and forth and that's kind of how it started. Okay. And then I asked him to my junior prom and he said yes, and kind wow. of all she wrote. Wow, yeah. that's that, that's a that's a pretty bold move right there. I mean, you you had to I feel uh, you had to feel like you uh, like you liked you somewhat, right? I guess. And thinking back to it, I cannot believe that <laughs> I did that. <laughs> I you had this bit... kid that like I kind yeah. of didn't really know that well. Like, hey, <laughs> you want to come to my high school junior prom? <laughs> yeah. So you guys have been together ever since. Is that kind of how the story goes? Yeah. Yeah. Um, that was trying to think like how the dances fell in high school, but I think that was like, I don't, I think we went a one like quote unquote date before that we went uh-huh. to a pizza place and then we went to a motorcycle race and watched. So right. <laughs> date, well, your- I will say like <laughs> loosely, loosely, but, uh, yeah. So I think we went to like the pizza race date and then he came to my prom and then we just kind of, I don't know. It's just kind of, I guess all she wrote. <laughs> I got you. So how did you convince him to move to Pennsylvania? Cause you know, every, you know, when I first started getting into the announcing game, it's always Jersey Jake Johnson. And then, you know, for, for the longest time he's been, you know, listed as Coatesville, Pennsylvania. So I kind of <laughs> was looking for a different nickname, but how did you convince this kid from Jersey to move to Pennsylvania? It actually was his idea. There was like a house that needed a lot of work and wasn't far from my parents and he was like well why don't we and I'm like I mean if you want to move closer to my family (laughs) by all means but no it actually was his idea to to come here and I mean I wasn't gonna 
I'm a homebody. I like being home and my family and I love his family. So it's kind of like, like a toss up, like, Oh, well, do we leave your parents and sister? And they're only like five minutes down the road or so, but it, it all worked out. That's cool. So how far apart, you know, is his family right now? Do you guys get to go back and forth? I mean, is it too far to, to do in a weekend or you guys pretty far apart? Um, they, it's only about an hour and a half. So okay. really not cool. that bad. Like we'll kind of alternate like visits, like we'll go down and then the next, like they'll come up or, um, if it just kind of works out, if his sister and his niece have off, they'll come up and visit or his mom. She actually came up like a Wednesday and visited. And then we saw his dad this Sunday cause they went to like some like motorcycle swap meet thing. So yeah, not too far, actually. I mean, we no. drive, I mean, as racers and, like, racer families, you just, you can get in the car and drive, like, 14 hours. So an hour right. and a half is, like, nothing. It's <laughs> nothing. Yeah, exactly. It's like going yeah. to the grocery store. So exactly. you've been, yeah, you've been through a lot throughout his racing career, and you're a great support system for him out there at the track. Um, what all do you do to help him on a race weekend? So that role is, like, kind of changed over the years. Like, at the beginning, before... They had transponders. I used to have this really cool clipboard and it had like stopwatches on it and I would take the times and that was like a pretty big contribution that I would make. But like I never really did the whole like putting the tear offs on or like getting his helmet ready because I'm thinking, oh my gosh, if he goes out to Lima and something happens with his helmet or a tear off, I'm like, I don't want that responsibility. (laughs) Right. But like making sure he's fed and reminding him like, Hey, have you drank any water today? Like hot stuff like that kind of at the beginning. And then I had actually like videoed his races, mostly I think like main events because practice and heat races, I would do a stopwatch. Um, and then I think when he rode for Suzuki, they were like, can you do times like all day? So then I would do like times all day so that they had that data. Um, But now I just kind of like get to hang out and take pictures and hang out with Emily. So he's pretty independent on race day. Like if he wants something, he'll ask for it. Like he wants a sandwich, but I don't know. He just kind of like does his own thing and that's his place of work. That's his job. So I let him, I let him be. A little more on the stopwatches. I know, you know, like you said, before transponders, (laughs) that's what we all live by as racers because you'd watch the times and compare it to the people you're racing against because as the track changed, the times would change so you know how to gear your bike, and there's so many different reasons for it. But uh, that's a a huge part of, you know, setting up the bike and everything, and and people don't take that lightly. That's a huge responsibility you had. It was. um, It was actually Paul Lynch's sister, Jody Lynch, that uh, she – helped me i'm like i don't know what to do he wants me to take these times and she's like Mm -hmm. okay well you you come you find like the same spot every time you pick a spot for where the wheel goes by that's your point she was like you'll get better and better as you do it so i like to be good at things so i made sure i was good at it (laughs) but he is who like majorly helped me get my stuff straight. <laughs> I remember back in the day, you know, some of those clipboards would have like three stopwatches on top. So you could keep track of three riders all at the same time yep. in that very same practice group or heat race or whatever. So that's pretty cool. Yep. So I bet it was super cool. Also to be a part of the effort, you know, throughout those two championship seasons, uh, that had to have been really exciting. Exciting, 
stressful, exciting. <laughs> right. Um, yeah. I mean, that was, those are times you like, don't really ever forget. Like the, the main thing that I remember was like that last race, those two rounds, like those two mm-hmm. years, I guess you would say, like, I think the one was in Arizona and like the hackers were all out there and Riley was little and like, I just kind of like held her all day. And like, she just kind of kept me calm. Cause I knew like, I don't know, you just, you never know, like whether they right. go in with X amount of points ahead or they need this many points. But um, yeah. And then the other one ended in Pomona and it was like, I think there was like, couple of restarts that race i think they all blend together so you don't hold me right. accountable but i'm pretty sure there was like a couple of restarts and like i'm like oh my gosh I just want this to be over i can't even imagine how he's like feeling <laughs> like <laughs> i just wanted to like be by myself like nobody talked to me like i just need space but yeah, yeah. exciting nerve-wracking all the emotions in a short amount of time too because like those races are only how many minutes long Right. They, right. They, they're over before you know it, but it, yeah. it sure probably can feel like a day and a half while you're out there with oh. trying to win a championship. So yeah, um, what's the toughest part about having a significant other who races in the sport? Um, I don't know. That's kind of like a, like a tricky question. I mean, obviously like the one that everybody goes to is like their safety. Like that's obviously like number one. But, like, I don't know, you worry that, like, they're enjoying it and, like, it's their job, but it's also, like, their passion. And so you want to make sure that they still love it when they go out there and race. (laughs) But, like, you just, I don't know, just want him to, like, do good and enjoy it and have the success like that he deserves and, like, you know that his talent can take him to, I guess, if that makes sense. It sure does. Yeah, it sure does. It's, it's good to hear that answer. I mean, like you said, most people say it's because it's dangerous and, and you just want to be safe, but I like that answer too. I mean, I, I love it. So you guys got married about eight years ago. Now you have a little one, uh, sweet baby Emily. Yeah. How has yeah. <laughs> your life's changed with the addition of the little one? Uh, does it, does it affect everything, you know, on race day and race weekends or how has your life's changed in this past year and a half? Um, in some ways it like didn't change that drastically because I don't know. She just kind of like goes with the flow and like, it's like, okay, well I might have to pack an extra this or have to pack an extra that. But like, I honestly think like racing kind of helped like make her a flexible kid. There are days where like she gets like no naps and it doesn't completely end in the meltdown. Then there's other days like it's a schedule, but I think the thing that's changed the most is when you have a bad day, your bad day is not that bad because then you get to go back and you get to see that little sweet face yeah. like Buffalo yeah. chip. Like that was like a heartbreaker. And then at the end of the day, he was just like, come give daddy a hug. He needs a hug. And like, she gave him the biggest smile and like snuggled into him. And it's like, okay, like things have changed. And like, yes, I could have comforted him if, we didn't have Emily, but like, for some reason that just made it that much sweeter that like she was there in that moment. And like, yeah. Yeah. It's just totally different. The question. Yeah. It's just totally (laughs) different. I I certainly get that. I I sure do. It, it puts a different perspective on things. So let's talk about your photography. So my understanding of the story is 
you used to go to the races and, and you started liking Jake and stuff like that. But then you started <laughs> with the video camera. Is that right? I did. That was kind of like, I don't know. I felt like I needed to do something for him, like more than just the stopwatches and like just kind of being there. Um, I thought like I needed to be doing something more, but like, I think just being there was good, but, um, I'm like, Oh, well, I need to do something to like help. And he was like, well, do you want a video? And so I started videoing and then I realized that like, if you video, you really don't get to watch like, cause you have like, you're watching through this little screen right? and you're like, Oh, that happened. I didn't even know that that happened. And you're like, okay, can we find something else for me to do? And then plus like things started, <laughs> um, like, band's choice and like there were some on like some other people were recording it and i'm like okay what else can i do so i can actually watch yeah that's good so then you put the the video camera down then you picked up a camera and do you remember when you first started taking pictures at the races i don't really remember like the exact like year i just know that um, it was when you would have to develop film. <laughs> so okay. you would take the pictures and hope that they turned out good and weren't blurry and blah, blah, blah. And then take them and get them developed. And yeah, I don't even know what year I know. I have stuff from like at least 2000, like eight or nine. Okay. I don't know if I really have anything before that. So have you always had a passion for photos? I think it kind of stems from, my mom, which then we would look at pictures. My grandmother always had pictures. So it kind of was like my grandmother must have always had a camera. And then my mom, I don't really remember her actually holding the camera, but like she has all these pictures that she used to take. And then I started taking pictures. Like I said, I'm not really sure when I would say like late teens. I think I started taking pictures because we started dating when I was like 17. So like probably like I think I got one from my high school graduation. So maybe like 18 or 19, I started taking pictures and it just was like something to do. But over the years, it's kind of changed a little bit. So, so your first real camera you just said is, is when you graduated from high school. I think so. It was like a Nikon. I don't even know what it was. It was gray and it was like silver and black. (laughs) All right. So are you self-taught or do you have to take classes to, to get as good as you are? I'm self-taught with, I would like, I remember, like I still do asking other photographers like, Hey, you know, I'm kind of struggling here. Like, what do you think? And they'll help me or like, I'll like Google every once in a while, like something to do. But like, for the most part, it's all self-taught. Okay. So what photographers or, uh, you know, what photographers did you look up to or talk to about that? I'm pretty sure I've asked Eve who Mm -hmm. did the the fast and the dirty. Um, I've asked Andrea Wilson, lots of questions. I always say his last name wrong, but Steve Colter, he's from Pennsylvania. I've asked him questions. I don't like to bother people, (laughs) but if I like have like a, like, a very clear and precise question that I will ask them. <laughs> okay. So you definitely have a style of your own. I, I truly believe that you tell stories with one single image, which is a real talent. How did you develop your style? I think honestly, it's just from 
like being at the races and like getting to know the people and their families. And it's a pretty, like flat track is a pretty close knit community. I just kind of always thought like, okay, well, what would I want to see a picture of? Or like, if I wasn't here at the race and I was at home, like what is something that I would want to see? Like, I think of like, like if Davis Fisher's mom wasn't there, like, okay, well, I need to, not I need to, but I want to capture some moments of Davis that like she can go back and relive that day. Or like even my own mom, like, oh, I could take a picture of my sister and like this or that. And it's like, okay, well, then you can kind of like relive the day. So I just kind of like thought of things in that way. And I think that's just kind of like how it's like snowballed into what it is. That's so cool. I like that. So we often use your photos, you know, when we post our podcast, because it's, it's rare that people get to see these riders outside of their helmets and you're the best in the game when it comes to candid shots <laughs> in the pits, you're kind of like a ninja. Uh, how are you so <laughs> stealth that these people don't know that you're taking pictures of them? I don't, I don't know. <laughs> you would think like with bright blonde curly hair that they would like see you coming, but I don't know. I just try to like, I don't want them to catch me because I want to catch capture that moment. Like I want, like, even if it's like the gnarliest look on their face, like they're angry. Like I still want to capture that, but I don't want them to see me because like, they're kind of like funny and like laid back and like go with the flow. And then they see me and they have this angry face. I'm going to lose that moment. So I don't know. I kind of just, Honestly, I'm just like walking around and I'm like, oh, that'd be a great shot and I'll take it. And then sometimes they cat like they see me afterwards and I'm like, yeah, gotcha. <laughs> it's a good one though. You'll like it. Trust me. But some That's of them cool. have, have tried to like make sure they like try to like bust me. Like right. it's like a game to them. They'll be like, oh, I caught you. I'm like, yeah, you did. But I already got three pictures of you. So yeah. who really wins so you, in this situation? <laughs> so you're the late one. So who, who who tries to catch you? Are there certain riders that always try to catch you or is it just everybody? Um, well, for the longest time, uh, like Jesse Janish would like try to make sure that he would like catch me. I don't think he did it on purpose, but like Cody John Cox, kind of always catches me. He never really says like, ha ha, I caught you. But like, he is one that normally I'm like, ah, oh, gotta be quicker. <laughs> yeah. Um, I don't know. There is a uh, Jeff Gordon that is always with uh, Brian Smith that he always mm-hmm. catches me. And I usually miss the shot because he catches me, but he wow. doesn't like his picture taken. So that's why I think he has like a keen sense of like where I am because <laughs> he doesn't want his picture taken. <laughs> He's probably, he's probably tracking you. He's, he could be like a ninja yeah. like you are, too, maybe. So exactly. do you have, a, do you have a seriously great big lens so you can stay far away, or do you change that out during the day, or you just keep one lens on when you're at the races? Compared to, like, other people that take, like, really amazing photos that I'm very envious of the lens that they have, um, my lens is pretty little. That's all right. It's getting the job done for you, for sure. So exactly. uh, just guess. Just guessing, how many pictures do you think you take during a race a race day? It kind of depends. Like, sometimes I, like, there's been races where I've taken, like, over 200 pictures. And then wow. there's others where, like, I've maybe taken, like, 60. And it just, I don't know. 
I'm about the moment. Like I am about getting that picture that like, like kind of like you said, like it tells a story. So I've learned that, okay, I didn't take very many today, but man, I got like four money shots and like, that makes me happy. But yeah, it, it, it varies. Okay. So most people listening have probably seen your work, whether they realize it or not. We mentioned, we often use your photos, but you, they can also see your, your photos on the vintage, the Thunder Press magazine. Actually, you sent Joy a few uh, for the upcoming article in February. I'd like to say thanks for that. So how do you, how did you pick the ones that are coming out in the February issue? Like, honestly, it's, it's been a little tricky because you're usually in a box, like up in the box. <laughs> yes. So these are like ones that we have to go back a couple of years because okay. you're not always, you weren't really in the booth that much. So that's what I told her. I'm like, I don't have very many recent ones because his location has changed, but I do have some. <laughs> how do you catalog all your pictures? Do you go by race, oh by year, or <laughs> how, how do you keep track of everything? So I'm learning that I probably need to do it a little differently. I'm actually like, I would love to know how like Dave Honing does it because he literally takes, I don't, I can't even, I can't even imagine how many photos he must take in a day, but then he has it all categorized by like rider and like he does a race and then rider and, and his turnaround is super quick. So I'm like, I don't even know, but like how he does that. But for me, it's just, I have like folders from like 2019 and it's like each race. So when I'm trying to think of a specific photo, <laughs> I'm like, okay, let me see if I can figure it out on Facebook and then I can go back and I can look in the file and see if I can find it. So sometimes it's a little time consuming for me, but I definitely need to figure out some type of system that's a little easier on myself. <laughs> he's, he's been doing it for a long time. I think he's, he's got some, some tricks up his sleeve. He must, because I literally will sit at my computer and I'm like, how does he even do this? Like, yeah. if people ask me for photos, I'm like, okay, I'm going to sit down. I have to go through, like, each race and try to remember if I have a photo of them. But, yeah, I'm. that's one thing I'm working on for sure. So if anybody has any tips, they can let me know. <laughs> I'm sure. I'm sure there's some people that have some tips out there. I know. I know on the back of – I was looking for photos for that uh, article as well. I know on the back of the photos – Dave would have the date, and then he'd have a picture. And mine seemed to always start with D, so I'm assuming that he yeah. has it, you know, alphabetically, you know, for D for Dubler, and then he has a great big long number, which I'm uh, assuming included the date in there somehow. So there's got to yeah, be a way I you can figure so. something out. Yeah. Well, we're already at the part of the episode. It's time for Graham's question, and, and Graham loves you. She thinks you're you're one of her favorite people at the races, <laughs> but she loves that you've created your own social accounts, especially the ones behind the scenes where you tell the stories about the images she wants to know can we expect more of these in the future yeah so she's talking about the i created a facebook page and i created an instagram mm -hmm. page just kind of separately for the for the pictures um and i'm thinking like with the facebook that's kind of like what i wanted to do um to take a picture that kind of like stood out and it's it's I mean, it's completely like just like my opinion and my feeling from that photo. Like somebody else could look at that photo and feel completely different, but it's mainly like how that photo made me feel or like, like I did the one with like Briar and Bronson and it was like, 
it just kind of like stuck with me that day when their dad asked me to take that picture. And it's like, wow, like think about what's happening right now. Like the situation, like that they're together and you have to go to the Facebook page to read it. And then it's not very long. That's the thing I wanted to keep things kind of like short so that I don't have a very long attention span. And I feel that a lot of people don't. So if I made it short and sweet to the point that like, it still get the message out, but that's what I'm planning to do um, to keep finding pictures that spark a memory and kind of like share that memory. Um, And then if we're at the races this year and I take some photos, I'm going to probably start just putting them on the Facebook page instead of my personal page because it's private and it's just, I figured I want to make them available for everybody, but still kind of keep myself and my personal page separate, but yeah, she can definitely count on seeing more of those. Awesome. You know, I, that's one actually Graham and Graham and I have both talked about that one because the story that you put behind that for, you know, the photo and you know, how his parents, you know, their parents asked you to do that. I think that was just great. And I, I love the way you relayed that information to everybody. Uh, she also wants to know, uh, are you going to start selling your pictures or do you sell your prints now? So that's kind of like where I'd like to go. I'd like to maybe have a, I mean, if people are interested, like have a, a website where I can make the prints available. Um, also was thinking about trying to like do something a little more creative with the pictures. And like, maybe people would be interested in those pictures from something else that I created with it. Um, not really sure where I'm going with that, but I have to kind of brainstorm and been jotting some ideas down and takes a little time for the creativity. So we'll see, but yes, I definitely wouldn't mind. Okay. What, what's your handle? Okay. What's your handle on Facebook and on Instagram? uh, So we can find you easy. So the Facebook is Jody Michelle photos and the same thing on Instagram, just Jody Michelle photos. Simple. Right on. So it's time for our rapid fire questions. Are you ready? Have you been studying for these? <laughs> Probably not. These ones make me nervous. <laughs> All right. Well, as long as we know it makes you nervous. Uh, what's your favorite track you've been to? Oh, man. This is hard. My favorite track. It doesn't have to be on the circuit. It could be a road race. It doesn't matter. Just your favorite track Ooh. that you like. So I'm going to have to go with Pomona because that's where – the fondest memories like come up, like there's where Jake wrapped up a championship where a battle between him, Jared and Brian Smith for the championship came down to at the last wire there. Like, I don't yeah. know, just the setting there, like the palm trees. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. Cool. What's that? What's the name of your favorite horse? Oh man. So when I was a little girl, um, I had a pony named Kelly and she was, perfect (laughs) yeah like we we did a lot of shows together i won my first blue ribbon with her she liked to eat doritos and drink a beer every once in a while so (laughs) it was pretty cool (laughs) sounds like your best friend yeah and then she like gave us a pony um she had our pony secret and like so jennifer and i had lots of great memories with her so i'd have to say kelly because then other great things came from her that's awesome i love it uh, what's your favorite photo you've ever taken? Oh man, that's hard. I don't know if I don't, I don't know if I could pick one. I think you'd have to pick like, there's so many that I love. Um, you'd almost have to pick like the year and I could pick photos from that. Like I have one from Jake from like to Sacramento, like 2000, 
14, maybe he was like at an autograph signing. Um, and I love that photo, but if I went with this year, uh, 2019, I took a photo of Briar sitting on the podium, uh, and Chad has his actually had his phone out. And like, I took a picture of him taking a picture and like, you could see Briar in Chad's phone and yep. in the background. Yep. And I don't know, there's just something about it that, yeah, I I love that one too. I was, uh, me yeah. and Carter actually were talking about that before we called Jeff, and we were kind of hoping you'd say that one as well. So, uh, what is your favorite part of race day for you? <laughs> usually, when the checkered flag goes and everybody's safe, that's usually like <laughs> All right. the best one like for that. me. I would say like in the morning, like and then it's the same thing. Like if you gave me certain parts of the day, my favorite parts are different, but. Yeah, like in the morning, it's like you're super glad to see everybody. Then it gets kind of nerve-wracking. Then the checkered flag goes, everybody's safe, and you're like, okay, that's the greatest part. And then you get to see everybody afterwards and just hang out and yep. <laughs> think about what you're okay. eating for dinner. <laughs> right. What's your What's your favorite part of race day for taking photos? Um, I would say like before practice and like practice because – like I like getting some of the pictures of people just kind of like in their like pre-race day. I can't think of the right word, but like their pre-race day, I guess routine, just kind of like going through the motions to get themselves ready. They're still kind of relaxed and then practice starts and it's like, okay, well, it's getting a little bit more serious, but like they're not like that. Nothing's in like a mad rush and like, they're just kind of like, getting things together. And like, I feel like during practice, there's a lot of talking between like teammates or like mechanics or team owners. And like, those are the pictures that I like to really get. And then, cause they're making the changes and figuring things out. But once racing starts, I still haven't really learned how to take pictures at night. I have to find the right setting. So that's usually when I like put my camera down for the day and like focus on being like into it. <laughs> That's why I love the pit walks. Usually the pit walks right before the riders meeting, the intensity and, and they haven't put yeah. their race face on just yet. So they're still willing to talk to me and I can go up there and, and, and you know, mess around with the guys a little bit and girls a little yeah. bit. So uh, I, that's my favorite part of the day too. You know, the pit walk and, and just, you know, getting to know these riders before they put their helmets on is, is my favorite part. So yeah. uh, aside, aside from daddy, who is Emily's favorite rider? Oh, um, I don't know. So like she's changed so much since the end of the season, it'd be kind of interesting now. Um, but she did always, <laughs> she always gave Dallas Daniels a little smile. Um, yeah. <laughs> but I would say like, if we went to a racetrack today and we walked around to see the different riders, probably Briar Bauman. Cause she can half say his name. So uh, I'm going to cool. have to say that. <laughs> that's cool. So uh, aside from you, who, who's, who's another badass woman in the sport? Oh, see, you're asking me all these tough questions. There's a lot. I don't mess uh, around Jody. You don't, but like, I don't know if you gave me a category, like Andrea Wilson, take some great photos, like amazing photos and puts a good story with it. And then you have like, you have Heather, I can never say her name, right? Debo. Yes. So she is badass and we still miss her. Like I wish that we got to like see her and hear her interviews. Um, 
and Kristen D is great. So like, I mean, I could keep going. Like obviously Shayna Texter is because she brings it on race day. Um, Nicole Mies was, I mean, she's a mm-hmm. badass wife and an amazing mom. And like the amount of stuff that she handled in a day, I'm kind of amazed at. Um, and then I remember that she used to like go out there and like challenge these guys on like XR 750s. Those motorcycles are huge. So right. I can't give you just one. I'm sorry. Michelle DeSalvo. She comes to mind. She's, she's yeah. a badass. Yeah. She's amazing. So she can work on them and she can ride them. Like what? Yep. And I have seen her like done some things with a motorcycle that I'm like, yeah, I can't even lift. <laughs> I probably couldn't even lift the wheel to put it on the back of the motorcycle. Like, yeah, yeah. I get it. Yeah. So here, here's a tough one for you. Chick-fil-A Great. or Target. Chick-fil-A or Target, oh, you get one yeah. choice. Yeah. One choice? Yep, only one. So <laughs> I'm going to have to go with Chick-fil-A. <laughs> All right. you can get milkshakes and the french fries, but like... One of my, like, normal things to do when I get, like, a little bit of, like, solo mommy time is uh-huh. there is a Chick-fil-A right by our Target. So, <laughs> go for two for Boom. one. <laughs> yeah, there you go. Boom. Yeah, I, I love it. So, uh, next one's kind of a three-part question. But uh, in AFT, who wins the championship in 2020 in the singles class first? Singles class. Man. Hmm. I think it's going to come down to the wire because you're going to have so many people that like Henry's going to rock it on the TTs, mm-hmm. right? Yep. And then you have like Shayna who is really good on the miles and half miles. And then you throw in a Mikey rush and like, mm-hmm. like a Ryan. Wells. like, obviously I want Shayna to win it. Like that would be awesome. Like I really want to see her get a championship. Right. Like that would be the icing on the cake. Um, I kind of want to say Mikey Rush. Like I've known him for a long time and like dude can ride a motorcycle. Like I've seen him ride in like lots of different like types of motorcycles and he's good. If he can just be consistent and like he's on the like and, and if those like his bikes like stay consistent, he might be pretty tough. Okay. My like heart it. says my heart says Shayna. My head and like really like thinking about things because Mikey's really good on a TT. I'm gonna go with Mikey Rush. Okay. Is All that right. okay? Well, I kind of that's like fine. Went that's fine. We, longer. We, can, <laughs> we can check back in later on. We know who your two picks are. So uh, who's gonna win the Production Twins Championship? Well, who's in it? <laughs> exactly. That's exactly what I want to know too. Like, and I'm the announcer, so I don't know. Um, we know where Spoli is. Corey is. Corey. Yeah. Varns. So are they like? But do they ride the TTs now? Yes, they ride every track as far right. as, as, far that, as I've been you told. have to take right. into consideration. You can't just Things. be like, "Oh, it's definitely gonna be this person," because those boys are gonna be jumping. Yep. Big, big twins. Yep. <laughs> it's gonna so, be good. I think. Yeah. I mean, we need to know who's in it. Like, there's not two or three. Well, all right. We'll let you slide on that one then. So, so who's gonna win the Super Twins Championship? Oh, I knew you were going to ask this one. Of course. <laughs> you said the first one, I was like, no, I'm going to have to have an answer. <laughs> I don't know. This is like, like it was, it was good last year. Mm-hmm. I mean, I think Jared had a couple races that were like off, but like Briar also had a broken wrist. I feel like it's going to come down to like those two 
Jared wants redemption and Briar's going to be super healthy. So it's like, and he wants to defend that. So, and this is hard because growing up with Jared, like I've known him. Wow. Like probably longer than I've known Jake and like Briar, I've really gotten to know and like, dude, I don't know. <laughs> okay. Right. Can I plead the fifth or whatever it is? <laughs> I guess. We'll have to check back in with you on that one, I guess. Heart and like head and statistics. Jared's a fighter. Like he's going to want that number one back, but Briar is damn good on a motorcycle. Yep. Damn good. So I feel like that question is going to get me in trouble no matter who I picked from there. Right. So we'll just leave it at that then. <laughs> okay, so perfect. Last, last but not least, uh, we kind of steal this one from Dave Despain, but what are you most proud of? I would say being Emily's mom. Ah, uh, that's awesome. That's I love that answer. Probably my greatest accomplishment. And obviously, like, I'm super proud of Jake and, like, being his wife. And, like, if it wasn't for him, I wouldn't have Emily. So that kind of, like, put it all together. But, yeah, being her mom is probably the the greatest thing that I'm, but, yeah, I'm most proud of. That's awesome. And last thing here on the podcast, we like to offer the racers a chance to say thank you to anybody. So we also let all of our guests do that. So would you like to say thanks to anyone? I guess just like thanks to everybody that like has like kind things to say about my photos. And thanks to Jake for getting me the camera and, and introducing me to this world and letting me kind of find a passion that I didn't know I had and taking pictures. So thanks. That's awesome. And thanks, you guys, for having me. Of course. <laughs> of course. We want to say thanks for letting us use your pictures. Like, uh, we use them pretty regularly. We really appreciate it. And uh, I just want to say thanks for your time here tonight. I know you're busy uh, being a mom and taking care of Jake. You know, that's a full-time job, too. So we got two full-time <laughs> jobs right there. But, definitely is. But, but thanks so much for your time. And I can't wait to see you this season in 2020. And I wish you guys good luck. You're welcome. Thank you. That was awesome. I loved hearing that. That was good stuff, man. Yeah, I, she was nervous. She told us she was nervous before we got on the call, but after we got started, she couldn't even tell. So you couldn't it was even awesome. Tell she was nervous. No, I couldn't tell. I think it was a great conversation. I loved hearing how she got involved in it, and you know, of course, she grew up around horses, and her brother Johnny Lewis, you know, started racing, so she started going to the races, and and hearing the story of how she met Jake and all that stuff was really cool. You know, that that's obviously her side of the story. But, uh, you know, Jake's might be a little bit different, but it's pretty neat to hear the backstory. Yeah, dude, it's badass. I loved her perspective as somebody who's been so close to the sport, you know, with family members there, with her husband following him through his whole career. And just to hear her tell in her head what she's thinking when she's walking through the pits about to snap some photos, just super cool because, like, you see those images and you're like, there's so much thought that goes into that. It's just cool to hear her explain her thought process throughout that whole thing. And what she does to help out Jake. She said Jake's pretty much independent at the races. But, yep. you know, back in the day, you know, when we relied on the stopwatches, you know, now you can actually rely on the, the telemetry from the, the live timing and scoring. So she doesn't have to do that anymore, which is a relief to her. So now she can actually go shoot pictures or go hang out with her friends, hang out with her daughter and stuff like that. And it just took a little bit less load off her. So now she can have some more fun. I love what she's doing, too, with the new social handles that she's created and what she's doing, telling stories about some of those images that she's taken. I think there's a ton of great content there for her. And uh, I wish her nothing but the best in the future. I hope she gets to a point where she is able to sell some of those prints because they're gold, in my opinion. Absolutely. So who's up next? Next up, we got Miss Andrea Wilson, the lady that does it all. She does everything? Just about. 
I, I mean, I would say she does. Like, I'm excited about this one because I've only known her, you know, since maybe midway through 2016 when she started working for American Flat Track. But, you know, I don't, I don't know how she got started in, in motorcycles and how she, you know, gets to. She's everywhere. I watch her on social media, and that yeah. chick goes to all the races. She's covered just about every two wheel sport there is. Um, I think at one point she said she's done everything but but the off road series, right? So like. Uh, that's 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 a lot of two-wheel racing so i'm um, look forward to hearing her backstory and uh what she's got planned for the 2020 season and beyond let's give her a call hello andrew where are you at nowadays <laughs> um i'm in socal um where i grew up out here for the supercross west coast swing well, I, I can't keep track of you. It seems like uh, I follow your social media, and it seems like you're at an airport every day. I don't know how you do it. <laughs> yeah, it's actually, um, it's probably the longest I've not been on a plane lately because um, I've just basically set up a home base here in the West Coast. So that, that actually right. It does feel weird not to be in an airport every other day. I got you. Well, the last time I think I saw you was maybe New Jersey. Uh, did you Have you had a good off season? Did you have a good Christmas? Yeah, it was nice. Um, I basically, after the Monster Cup was done, um, was able to take some time off and went over to Europe and spent a month over there. Went to the final MotoGP race at Valencia, and yeah, it was it was awesome. Were you working or was it pleasure? Um, a little bit of work at the MotoGP, and then uh, the rest was holiday. A much needed holiday. <laughs> right on. Is it one that? I should put on my bucket list. I've never been overseas to a MotoGP. I've just seen them here in the States. You know, it's, um, I definitely tell everybody the, the the bucket list has to be to go to either any Spanish or Italian Grand Prix. Um, I honestly, like, especially before Rossi retires, like going to Mizano or Mugello um, is fantastic. But uh, for us, since, you know, we're pretty busy with racing in the States. Um, you kind of, the, the one in Valencia works out perfect because it's in November and um, there's nothing going on here. Right on. All right. Well, I'll have to, have to hit up one of those for sure. And I'd like to see Rossi re- before one more time before he retires. So the reason we have you on here is because we're talking to the badass women in the sport of flat track. But uh, you're you're not only in flat track, but you're involved in a lot of things. But we'll get into that in just a second. So I got to know, what came first, your love for motorcycles or photography? Yeah, you know, um, kind of, I'd say photography. But even, they kind of really, like all that momentum there, kind of started around the same time. Um, I got a camera after high school and you know, would play around with it. Didn't really take it too serious. Actually, before I got in, you know, before I got involved in motorcycle racing, I, my plan was really just to get my four-year degree and go into the military and be a pilot. So, um, I would go to a lot of air shows, you know, kind of like it was like a career fair to just ask guys like, you know, what's the best route to, to get into, to fly jets. And, um, when I was there, I just, snapped a bunch of photos and I actually my dad growing up was never really around motorcycles um but when he got his job at uh World Airways his buddies that he flew with they were all really into it and so got my dad back into it and 
kind of was, I've always been in, interested in sports and I kind of was always a gearhead. So it didn't take me very long to fall in love with motorcycle racing and at that time road racing. So, um, so yeah, um, I really just kind of fell into it all being from Southern California. A lot of the teams are based here for, um, well, road racing and, you know, also motocross, supercross and all that. Um, but yeah, I um, knew some of the guys that worked for um, the road race teams and went to Fontana, which is our local race here, and just kind of same thing like at air shows, just snapped a bunch of photos for fun. And one of my friends, Seamus, uh, who used to work for Yamaha, was like, hey, you're pretty good at this. Uh, you should do something with it. And um, here I am. <laughs> wow. So how how old were you when you decided that you wanted to be a photographer? I mean, it sounds like it was just a habit, and then it formed into a job. Yeah, um, I was. I had one more year um, at university, and you know, I, even then, I kind of kind of really wasn't like a, a concrete plan. I I just started to really fall in love with it, and. Um, you know, at the time, my sinuses were a mess and my ears wouldn't clear on, on a commercial airliner. So I was kind of like, man, could I even really, you know, go into the military and be a pilot? And I probably would have still tried to pursue that um, if I didn't fall in love with motorcycle racing. So I think really, you know, even though I've been a photographer for, gosh, I think 16, 17 years now or something like that. Um, really more been loving motorcycle racing and photography was just what I was good at. (laughs) That's awesome. Did you ever ride bikes? I, I definitely wanted to learn. Um, and you know, being in the industry, there's some opportunities. I had friends, a friend that tried to, um, give me some lessons, but I had a pretty good, (laughs) I had a pretty good fall and it was like, Ooh, man, I, I kind of need all my, you know, my limbs to, to make a living. And it's not like, you know, being a freelancer, it's not like, uh, you know, you, you can't work, you don't get paid. So, or you basically you'd have to pay someone to fill in for you. So I just kind of shelved that. And, um, when I started working for cycle news, I thought it's perfect. I'm going to learn now, if I break a limb, they're still going to pay me and it'll all be good. <laughs> but, <laughs> but, um, honestly you get, sometimes I, I explain to people, sometimes when you actually work in the motorcycle industry, your chance to ride is less. <laughs> so cause you're, keeps, everybody's just working so hard. Yeah. It keeps you so busy. So in 2013, you start working for cycle news. What did you do for cycle news? Um, it started out, I basically, they got a brand new website and I was the only one in, in, at that time, cycle news, it was part of the, um, I guess it would have, it would have been mag media group then, um, which also included motorcycle USA. And so the guys, the motorcycle USA superstore, um, tech guys are the ones that built cycle news, new website. And I was the only one and they're up in Oregon and we were down in SoCal and I was the only person that understood HTML. So, <laughs> so it ended up turning into some job security. And, uh, when the spot opened up, they hired me and I, you know, honestly, at first, like 
I was college educated, but just because you're college educated doesn't mean you can write. And it was something that was very, very hard for me to do. But Cycle News is the place to 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 teach you. You know, I mean, started out rewriting press releases for websites. Um, eventually, got to do more features. And actually, when I started working there, I'd already agreed to um, take on the job and. And then found out they weren't going to send me to any races. <laughs> wow. So, yeah, because that's the thing, you know, for uh, people who don't realize, you know, uh, you know, publication, you know, Cycle News is a weekly publication and a website. And we had a staff of three people and, uh, you know, an art director. So with the Monday deadline, having someone on staff at an event, not only for the cost, it's we really, you know, kind of needed all hands on deck in the office on Monday. So, yeah. So when Paul was like, yeah, I don't, I'm not really going to be going to races. And I told him, I was like, look, I'm here because I, you know, love motorcycle racing. I mean, send me to anything. Like, cause if I'm not at a race, I'm going to be miserable. So he agreed and, and sent me to the, um, the West coast dirt tracks, which that year, I think I went to, three or four or something like that. So yeah, four. So yeah. So, and that's really, I mean, I'd done a little bit with flat track before then being in Southern California, but that was really when I started to do a lot more with flat track. Okay. So how long did you work for cycle news? I was there until, um, uh, the fall of 2015. Um, okay. it was awesome. I mean, I learned a whole, lot um but i i really did miss being at the races honestly so i made the decision to um uh go back to freelance which was scary at the time but it ended up working out perfectly yeah i think i met you in the middle of the 2016 season when you started working uh with american flat track um but like you said you've been covering that a long time before then. So when you got hired for American flat track, what was your job when you first started with them? Um, in 2016, um, you know, it was great. I was actually, I was kind of when I started to move to North Carolina and, um, you know, things were really starting to change and, and pick up with flat track and then talk to, to Gene Crouch, um, he was um, in charge of the communications and marketing and, and he was like, yeah, you know, it'd be great to have you involved in some way. And we didn't really, under, you know, have an idea of what that would be at the time. But um, I started to shoot some photos at um, some of the rounds and then that expanded to helping out with the race reports since, you know, I'd known the sport really well. And, you know, with my, my days at cycle news and, and then in 2017, that um, ultimately expanded into to doing the communications for the series. And how long did you work for American Flat Track? Um, I uh, worked with them until uh, like a, a little, just through Daytona in 2018. And I got the opportunity to work with Essence and Racing and do their communications and marketing. And at the time, I was, you know, I was, really exciting to have a project that uh to work from the ground up um with a with a race team being involved in you know 
covering MotoGP and Supercross and, you know, flat track and super bikes. You know, I'd been around a lot of different paddocks and seen a lot of different things. And, you know, to be able to have a clean slate um, was was something that was was really exciting for me. Well, and Tim Essenson jumped in with both feet, taking on road race and flat track. So it's my understanding you're covering the flat track for them, but you're also doing some road race too, right? So you're still just as busy as you were before you started working for Essenson. Yeah, no, for sure. Um, And actually in 2018 with them, um, it was just still, um, you know, Colby and Jake and, you know, just a two rider effort. And for sure last year, I mean, really like besides the more than doubling the team, then also doing road racing, which actually um, I was in Valencia in 20 in 2018 um, for the season, the MotoGP season finale. And, you know, we'd done our deal already with, with JD and made the announce the team announcements. And um, it was, you know, kind of a bit confusing with JD racing for um, the ridiculous team in the 600 class and Tim finally was like, you know what, like let's get him a super bike ride. So with my time, um, in the super bike paddock for many, many years, I just started making some calls and we were able to put t- that deal together with attack. And it was pretty, it was pretty, uh, amazing. <laughs> yeah. It but sounds like a I heck, heck of a ride. I creating more work for myself <laughs> in the end. So, so all I really know is that you work for Estenson. Obviously, you do their social media. You take pictures. Um, what else do you do for Team Estenson? Basically, you know, I mean, you say communications. A lot of people, like, what exactly is that? You know, um, I mean, I basically, you know, I also shot the photos, like you said, and and ran the social media and did the the race report and preview press releases. On the communication side, there's also a lot of like operational stuff, just, you know, talking with media, trying to arrange um, interviews or supply photos, or I'd also would help with marketing. I uh, design our, our marketing deck and built our website. And I mean, just pretty much whatever needed to be done with anything that was under that umbrella of communications and marketing. Wow. That's awesome. You know, that team has really grown in the short time just since you've been there. What's it been like to watch as the team grows? And it's changed, like you said, every year it's been different. It's even going to be more different in 2020. So what's it like to witness the change firsthand? It was awesome. Um, Like I said, you know, when I first started, you know, I was really excited personally to have, like I said, a blank canvas. But, uh, you know, Tim and his wife, Tracy, they're amazing people. And, you know, to be working with someone that's so passionate about motorcycles and the sport. Yeah, I mean, from 2017, I mean, 2018, and then to 2019 to, I mean, it just exploded. And, um, you know, having Tommy Hayden, bringing him on board, I mean, just to, to see the evolution, something that's more of a professional and less on a, on a much larger scale, I guess, is, was was pretty pretty amazing albeit stressful sometimes (laughs) i was gonna say there has to be a lot of you know a lot of work that goes along with it which you know sometimes creates stress so what's been your most memorable flat track moment since you've been covering the sport i'd have to say you know honestly it was when kenny roberts uh rode the tz 750 at indy 
I mean, 2008, it was just one of those things you kind of wish, like, you know, you, I can watch the video and the video still gives you goosebumps, but to be there that night was just absolutely incredible. I agree. That, that I'll never forget that moment, just hearing that bike when they fired it up. You know, I was way too little when that first happened back in, you know, in 75, I think is when he we did that or 78. I can't remember. But um, when they fired that bike up and sent him out there for a few laps and, and everybody that knows Kenny Roberts, he's not going to go out there and just go half throttle. But when he fired that thing up and and it was so loud and it was so cool and there was just so many people around there. And I'm in the center of this great big group of people talking to Kenny Roberts and Valentino Rossi. I'll never forget that moment either. Yeah, no, it was pretty wild you know and it's kind of also another another moment you know that same year and also with Kenny Roberts um I did some time I worked for a a local golf magazine here in Southern California for a little bit shooting photos so when Kenny was playing Pebble Beach for the Pro-Am I I wasn't able to be there during the weekend but I went up um on the Thursday for for the practice days and um basically Kenny was supposed to be at Pebble Beach, but then he and Ruben Barrichello was who he was paired with. They were in Poppy Hills, so it's not one of the prettier, you know, compared to obviously Pebble Beach there um, on water or even Spyglass. No one was around, and I know Kenny, so basically just walk the course like like nine holes with him and Ruben Barrichello, just hanging out with them and listening them, sh- you know, shoot the breeze and talk about racing and and everything it was it was pretty amazing as well that's cool you're pretty lucky i've never got to spend that much time with them so that's pretty amazing so uh again following your social media i've seen you at the supercross races this uh you know this this i call it off season because it's off season for flat track but this year you've been at all the, the 2020 supercrosses so far so uh you're doing a little bit of work for them what are you doing at the supercross races yeah, so actually I picked it up last year as well. I um but they didn't have me. I was mostly covering everything remotely, but I basically do the PR for the Yamaha's uh US's factory racing. So Supercross, Motocross and uh Moto America and and this year will be flat track as well. Um wow. but yeah, so th- yeah. <laughs> so yeah, definitely going to be busy. Um but yeah, no, um, this year I'm doing half the Supercross rounds and, and going to be on site a lot more, which will be awesome. I mean, covering, again, like I said, I mean, honestly, for me, I love racing. So there's just so much more you're able to do on the content side when you're there and, and instead of at a laptop watching a screen. Wow, that's just crazy. So you're going to be gone pretty much every weekend. Yep, um, I have two weekends off, basically, until the end of September. <laughs> oh my gosh. So am I going to see you in Daytona then? Yeah, I will be there. Okay. So well, that, that'll be a long week for you too, because you'll do Supercross. Do you do anything for the Daytona 200 or are you sticking around for the, the flat track, the TT? Just the flat, just the flat track. I mean, okay. yeah, the 200 is not really, um, none of the factories are involved in that anymore. It's not part of the national championship. I mean, it's still a race that, you know, I mean, it's got a long history and and whatnot, but it's it's not really at the national level anymore. Right on. So after the Daytona TT, you'll do a press release and let everybody know how the, the team Essenson did. Is that is that your main duty for that particular event? Yep. All right. And Sounds social good. media and stuff. Yeah. All right. 
So what do you like best about covering this sport? You know, I mean, obviously, like, the action and the racing, and even and that's why we're there. But I think what's most interesting to me are the people themselves. Even with my photos, I always really preferred the portraiture and the lifestyle stuff. I mean, don't get me wrong. Yeah, the action stuff is awesome. But after a while, you kind of feel like you've shot the same same thing, you know, in a corner. Especially if you go to the same racetracks, you know, every year for 12, 15 years or whatever. And even like also, you know, when I started writing and, and working for Cycle News, I, I've always really enjoyed um, features the most, you know, because it's pretty incredible. Like it never ceases to amaze me, like what these athletes are capable of, not even just like during races and winning races, but going through, you know, I mean, some pretty tough times. I mean, there's been so many times over the years where people will be like, oh yeah, that guy's done or like, ah, Rossi's done or, you know, Andrew Davizioso, he's done. And then, you know, maybe a couple years later or five years later, they're winning races again or in the hunt for a championship. So yeah, so I, I'm always really amazed and interested, you know, you know, what's the mindset? You know, I mean, if you think about it, for most of us, you know, you you go to work or you have a job, you might have a bad day, but it's not under a microscope for everyone to dissect and comment about on social media or in comment sections and in uh, website posts. So, yeah, um, I'm always really interested in the human element of the sport. What advice would you have to someone that's looking to follow a career path similar to what you've done? You know, I get asked that a lot, especially on the photography side. And you don't want to, especially when you as a kid, you don't want to be like super Debbie Downer. um, Because, I mean, to be honest, these days, to be a photographer, it's a pretty tough profession to break into and to make money at. But I always say, because, you know, I'd say, what photography school would you recommend? I always say business school. Because <laughs> when I started, that was one thing that, you know, was really tough at first is, is figuring out the business side of things. And as soon as I realized that basically photography is a sales job, that's where really I started to to be able to to sustain, you know, or to keep going. Um, so yeah, I mean, uh, and also the other thing too, it's like, really, you just have to shoot. Um, you know, it's, it's a practical application. You can discuss theory and, and whatnot, but really just getting out there and shooting. And, and when I started starting in road racing, that's three days of shooting and just, you know, just hammering away at it and, and working on the craft. Yeah, absolutely. So it's similar to announcing. You have to love it, and you might not make the big bucks at the beginning, but like a lot of things in life, it's totally worth it in the long run. Yeah, and that's the other thing, really. I mean, if you're passionate about it, persistence pays off. I mean, there are times when I thought, I mean, I was like, man, I don't even know if I can keep doing this anymore because, you know, travel costs were going up and, and rates were going down. Um, especially, you know, when I really started to establish myself, you know, the economy took a huge dive in 2008 and, um, you know, the base series were struggling, you know, the industry itself was struggling. 
but just, you know, I just kept at it and kept hammering away, tried, you know, learning new things. Like I said, I went to Cycle News basically to learn how to write and um, was definitely a really, you know, the learning process can be painful, <laughs> but, uh, um, but no, it's, it's been amazing and um, just been able to keep, keep in the sport and keep growing and, and yeah. Awesome. Well, we're already at Graham's question. Graham's a big fan of flat track, but she's she wanted to know first if you've seen Tim Essenson's museum of all his motorcycles. Yes, and it is amazing. We've actually been there a couple times, me and Graham, and she wants to know which bike in that museum is your favorite. Hmm, that one's a tough one. Um, I mean, Ricky Graham's RS750 is pretty cool. Mm-hmm. But, you know, also, too, like, the first year when I was working for Tim, I, after the mile the next day, that he and his wife had a brunch at their house, but Tim had just got the building and started to transfer his collection over to the building, so we went over there to check it out, and at the time, I was writing some copies for Husqvarna and learning about the history of um, the brand and, like, I'm looking like, oh my gosh, this is what I've been looking at photos of and, and writing about it. He has an original silver pillin. Um, so it's just, so that cool. one, I, that one for me, I think is also just pretty, pretty awesome. That's awesome. Yeah. He's got a lot of bikes. I, I, uh, I can't wait to go back out there and see what else he's added to the collection. So we're at the end of the episode where it's time for rapid fire questions. So give me the first thing that pops into mind. Are you ready? Okay. I'm ready. All right. What's your favorite bike you've ever shot? Hmm. <laughs> um, probably Kenny's TV 750, honestly. Okay. I like that. What's your favorite track to visit? And again, it doesn't have to be flat track. You've been to almost every racetrack in the world, it sounds like. So which one's your favorite one to visit? It's hard to pick just one. So definitely Springfield. And on road racing, um, Phillip Island. Okay. What is your favorite part of race day? Probably right before the mains. All right. Which rider is the most photogenic? Rossi. Okay. Besides yourself, who's another badass photographer in the sport? I mean, I know a lot because I was in that profession for a pretty, pretty long time. Well, if you don't want to pick just one, you can pick three. How's that? I'll give you a little break. Okay. <laughs> Cormac GP is doing some really nice stuff over in MotoGP. Yeah, that one's tough. Okay. I mean, maybe it's more, I guess you say, like, from starting out, Andrew Wheeler, like, was kind of someone that I'd looked up to um, to style-wise. And then also um, from being involved in the MotoGP paddock and going over there I without actually being sat down and, and helped out, you know, given a, a some guidelines i'd say you know golden goose the agency over there that does MotoGP, learn workflow which honestly as a professional photographer um workflow is one of the keys to besides business to be successful in the business so i don't know so besides your camera what is something you can't head to the track without my iphone <laughs> and yeah. uh my obviously my laptop and my Bose noise-canceling headset, 
There you go. I like it. You know what you need. So who's the next first time champion in flat track? Maybe JD beach. I like it. I like it. He very well could be the next one. We kind of steal from Dave to Spain, but uh, what are you most proud of? You know, it's like, there's so many, I'm pretty type a, and there's a lot of times like if people that know me really well, they'll, they'll just hear me going, ah, oh, this is crap. Or I don't like this, or this isn't very good. Cause I'm very hard on myself and push myself pretty hard. But there are certain moments like when you, you know, when I get a certain shot, or I have a feature that I'm really proud of. It's really more like small things like that, not maybe just, you know, one specific thing. So, you know, when I can actually look back and go, wow, that was pretty good, I'd say that. Right on. So at the end of the episode, we give our riders a chance to say thanks to anybody, but here's your chance to say thank you to anybody you'd like. Um, you know, just, gosh, um, I'd like to say thank you to Tim Essenson. Um for giving me um, the opportunity a, a couple years ago to be a part of his growing program. You know, it'd, it'd be a really, really long list, you know, for over the years of all the people that, you know, helped me get started in the business. I guess, you know, actually, I really should thank my parents. Because <laughs> <All right. laughs> right. thank God my dad likes motorcycles because, uh, you know, after paying for USC and me graduating and then all of a sudden <laughs> becoming a freelance photographer. <laughs> Right. <laughs> and then also, you know, my mom and stepdad and, you know, my sisters even, you know, there's a lot of times that, you know, I'm because racing is on weekends. Um, so I miss weddings and graduations and 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 just gone a lot and working a lot. So they're pretty uh, patient and supportive of me. I'm right there with you. Andrea, thank you so much for your time. I'll see you in just a few weeks. We'll be down in sunny Daytona, and I can't wait to see you, and I hope you have a great 2020 season. Thanks, Scotty. Yeah, it's coming quick. <laughs> It'll be here before we know it, I'm sure. All right. Thanks, guys. Thank you. Four interviews up, four interviews down. You know what? I decided I'm a little bit jealous of her because she gets to go to the Supercross, flat track, and road racing. You know, pretty much I'm doing arena cross and flat track, but I, I think I'd like to go check out some of these supercross races. I might have to do that. Are you saying you don't get enough two-wheel action during the season? Can you ever get enough two-wheel action? I definitely can. I can't, dude. I I, I want more. You know, there's, <laughs> was there 52 weekends a year, 52 weeks in a year? Sure. So, you know, I, I did 46 events, but some of those were like, a, you know, a three or four day event at a, at a Steve Nace race or something like that. So I wasn't gone that many weekends. I still have some open slots. You know, I, I should be covering something else. Fair enough. All great interviews, all amazing women, uh, and all are doing awesome things for the sport and their coverage. They all have bring a unique, cool look into the sport. And uh, I'm, I'm thankful each and every one of them is part of Flat Track. Yeah, and I'm, I'm thankful they all took the time out to talk to us here on Off the Groove because uh, we don't get to hear about their stories. You know, we, we try to tell the story of the racer, but here on Off the Groove, we tell the story of everybody in that's involved in flat track. And it was cool to get these four ladies on here. There's plenty more, too. So if you're out there and you're thinking, why wasn't I on this episode? Don't be upset. Reach out to me. We'll get you on a future episode. Got a lot in the hopper leading up to the uh, start of the season. So I'm stoked on this one. Stoked to get this one out there. Have everybody hear these stories. And uh, look forward to doing a few more uh, pretty cool episodes here in the next couple weeks. Absolutely. Once again, thanks to everybody who bought a shirt. I know we said that yesterday on the Friday podcast, but if you didn't listen to that, thanks for buying the shirt. 
Uh, we appreciate it more than you guys know. We'll have a new one maybe come out maybe this summer. We'll have to wait and see. Might have some other cool merchandise coming out pretty soon. Uh, we're going to give away a number plate, a sign off the groove number plate to one of the people who bought a shirt. That's coming up in the near future. And you've got a really, really cool guest picked up for next week, don't you? You want to tease it a little bit? Mm, they'll just have to wait and see. See. I like it. Yeah. I like what you're doing there. Yeah. Well, Carter, I'm headed to the arena cross here in Denver. And, uh, you know, uh, hopefully everybody keeps it on two wheels. Carter, you keep it on four wheels. What are you doing this weekend? We didn't even talk about that. Dude, I'm going dragon boat racing. Dragon boat? Yeah, dragon that, boat. What is that? You don't know what dragon boat racing is? No. Look it up, man. Google that shit. It's when all those people are in the boat and they're all doing it the same way. It's like a long boat. I don't know huh. why I'm doing that, but it's something that we signed up to, <laughs> me and the girls signed up to do so this weekend. Are you are you paddling it yourself, you and her? Or are it's you It's a whole team. I think, I think there's like eight to ten people in the boat and you all paddle oh, the gosh. boat. Hey, yeah. so if we don't hear from you, we know you're at the bottom of some river in Florida. <laughs> yeah. They got eaten by gator. No, there's no gators. Where, it's where? still it's too cold still for gators to be in these parts. So you don't think gators are hungry when it's cold? No, they're just not in they're not around here. They're in the down further south this time okay. of year. Well, wear a life jacket. I'll absolutely wear a life jacket. And uh, dude, it's not like I'm going in like torrential water it's it's gonna be fine it's just like in the intercoastal i think it is i don't know and i'm just giving it a go testing it out but we'll see how it goes well good luck yeah Uh, pick number 43 because then you'll win and wear a life jacket you got it buddy talk to you next week peace Don't be nervous. <laughs> I'm always <laughs> nervous right before things. <laughs> Why? Why? I don't know, because I think about them, and then I'm like, oh, no. But it's kind of funny, Mom's phone. When you called the picture, I didn't even think that I had your number, but then I remembered that I used to text you when like, I wasn't at a race, and the picture that comes up is a picture of you and Briar. <laughs> Man, he yeah. was like He was young. in shock? Oh, really? Yeah. That's cool. Yeah. Huh. It was one, we were just at Daytona, and it was just you two being goofy, and, like, it's no. just one I took on my phone, and, like, <laughs> it just is what I use for when Scotty Jubler calls. <laughs> That's awesome. That's cool.